HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Michael Madrigal, award-winning sommelier and a wine executive. This is the Summer Wine Show, and we're going to tell you what to drink all summer. We'll taste a Muscadet and some other wines that Michael brought in for our weekly wine sip. We'll also drink during the show. I'm your host, Sam Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. All right, Michael Madrigal returns to the Grape Nation for his second appearance on this show. He's a multi-award winning sommelier in New York City, and he's working in the wine business. Um, and he is, has been one of the early fixtures on social media when it comes to wine. And I asked Michael to come in because Michael walks the walk. And talks the talk. Hey, now. Welcome to the Great Nation, Michael. Hey, Sammy. Um, I'm entrusting you with the high responsibility of helping me tell our listeners what the F they should be drinking sure. this summer. So with I, pleasure. I, we're going to freestyle, but I formatted the show a little. All right? Okay. But before we get into that, is there anything you want to tell us? That's new in your world since we last spoke to you? You know, I just find myself on the daily. I left the restaurant biz about a year ago, and I find myself on the daily tasting 
a lot of wine like I was at the restaurant business. I'm buying wine, I'm selling wine, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and just kind of trying to figure out my place in this world of wine, in this epicenter of the world of wine that is New York City. Any desire to get back in that restaurant no, grind? Not no, right now? No, because it's it's been there, done that. Right. And, you know, I work for one of the best restaurateurs in the world, Daniel Balud. Yep. I had one of the strongest positions, you know, being the wine director for Bar Balud and Balud Sud. I had an incredible experience, you know, nothing but positives. So I think if I get back into that business, it will never be as good right. as I had it. So why try to repeat history? Right. It's time to blaze another path. And it's a tough thing to do for 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. And yeah, it just, you know, I left not because I was tired. I left because I was bored and needed to do something different. Right. And I'm just trying to find my way. And it's trial and error at this point. But, you know, I've got a good heartbeat of what my next move will be, and it's feeling good. Right. Um, so when you said you're tasting wines all the time. Yeah. Tasting groups, tasting, no, whatever, buying stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, working as a consultant for... Everything. For everybody. You know, cool. For this person, that person, collectors, restaurants. Cool. You know, online companies, like you name it. All right, so I'm going to need you to tap into all that stuff you've been tasting. Sure. And uh, help our listeners. You know, as the warm weather and summer soon arrive, we're going to be spending more time outdoors. And it's time to think about, you know, some summer sippers and stock up. Right on. So Michael and I will guide you through what to drink this summer and what you should bring to parties and barbecues and all that other stuff. So let's start with categories. Right. Let's start probably with what is the biggest category for summer is white wines. Right. Let's cover reds because there's definitely some reds. Let's talk about champagne and sparklers. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about um, there's a whole new hot category, these wine spritzers and canned wine. Talk about that if it makes sense. And then if there's any insight into other stuff like sherries or dessert wines, right. you know, that makes sense for summer. Right. Um, so I'm going to kind of throw it to you. But let's let's think about a few things. When we recommend wines to people, let's keep reasonable in mind. Mm -hmm. Let's make recommendations of classic nature. Let's make recommendations of stuff that's sort of trending now. Let's make recommendations of stuff that's out there, you know, okay. things like that. So let's let's talk about white wines. Okay. Now I hate just look, before you start. I hate making wine seasonal, but there's no doubt people's minds shift to rosé or white, right. and part of that is because of the food. You eat more food, uh, shellfish, fish, and all that. Right. You know, so white plus it's lighter. Right. So let's talk about what should we be drinking white. Well, I mean, going, doing a deep dive into that, summer whites, for me, in my mind, are white wines, usually, that aren't super complex, you know. They're not Premier Cru White Burgundy, because those are the kind of wines that really demand attention, and they demand serious food to go with it. You know, they're oak-aged, they're... 
they're only, you know, they really only start to shine after five, ten years in the bottle. They're pricey. And they're pricey, exactly. So summer wines are, you know, quote-unquote inexpensive, stainless steel fermented, Crisp. under crisp under 30 bucks i mean that's my mind of what a what a summer white is and i mean there's tons of them but the ones that are really good are the ones that come from good growers and good regions and you, you know you mentioned muscadet earlier that is the quintessential summer white wine in my opinion you know that's salt top of the list right? top of the list you know high acid very lemony and stony, and there's not a better white wine that goes with oysters. And what's better to, you know, eat outside on a warm day than oysters? You know, sitting on a plate with crushed ice, you know, oysters on top and a glass of muscadet. Like, that is the shit, in my opinion. I mean, that is the, that's like what great food is. You know, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that's an excellent food the compliment yeah i mean just that, the idea together worked when it was first thought of and right it's and classic it, and now. it's still like however hundred years many hundred years later it's still great and i think muscadine and oysters is one of those things it's forever so push your back i push you back against the wall and i say to you i totally agree but another big argument is champagne and oysters yeah if you had a pick that's and i don't know if, if it's like saying pick your favorite kid if you had to pick Champagne or Muscadet. Muscadet. Champ- Muscadet. That's Muscadet. what I call it. Everybody, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because, you know, champagne is, I mean, if you compare apples to apples, champagne is a much more deep, delicious, complex wine right. versus Muscadet. It's also bubbly. Yeah. And, and it's also, it's, you know, that's bringing a bazooka to a, to a knife fight. Right, it, it, you know, champagne just like is great. Of course, right. of course, it's going to be great. It's great with any kind of food, but you want to scale it back, and you want something that dances with the oysters rather than overpowers it and right. just like beats it at the gate. And all the traits you said, the lemony, the salinity, the stone, is a yeah. perfect compliment. Yeah, it doesn't all have to be you know expensive and right. incredible. It, it, there's so, a reason why. There, you know, muscadet is subtle and muscadet is cheap, and there's a reason why it works really well with oysters. So, give me a couple of tried and true favorite producers of yours. There's just, you know, there's Pepier, for example. P e p i e r e. Yeah, I mean that that stuff solid is just is, fifteen, twenty, twenty five bucks. Yeah, it's it's just fire. And then there's a guy named Guy Brossard, that's also very, very good. B-R-O-S-S-A-R-D. Guy Brossard is a great... Yeah. Not too expensive? No, none of these are really expensive. I mean, if if any of them are going to be expensive, it's probably the Pepier. Okay. That's, you know, the... the I noticed with the Pepier, we're going to try a Clisson, which he has different grades, and the Clisson's a little more than just... Yeah, that's like his Grand Cru. Right. Yeah, from granite soil and not you know expensive and all of that. Mm-hmm. Right, give me one more producer. Um, who else do I like? I'm trying to think. Um, Olivier, Landron, Mark, yeah, Joe Landron. Thank you, Joe Landron. Yeah, that's another another good solid. Yeah, and he's like Pepier. He um, separates the wines by the soils because you know Muscadet is. There's a lot of different soil types in the region, and they bottle the wines 
specific to how what the soil type is. So when a bottle says, and help me on my pronunciation, Severet Maine. Severin Maine, yeah. That's that's the region. That's the region. And yeah. there's what, three, four yeah, regions? Yeah, there's like you have, um, you have granite soils there. So the regions vary as far uh, as the right. soils, and that right. reflects the Because it all runs along the Severin Maine River. Is... Is there one region that's considered that the seven, seven main is considered the best? All right, so I think we covered Muscadet. I think our votes are in that that's the quintessential summer wine. Yeah, let's go with another white. I would you say Muscadet would fall under the classic category, classic summer wine? Yeah, for sure. It's All right, can you one. give me another choice? Yeah, maybe with the thought of something that's trendy now or wasn't on the scene. Five, well, well, I mean, you could say Loire outside of Muscadet, like Sauvignon Blanc from Sancerre, but that's you know that's kind of a classic too. Tre- right. Trendy, I would. Say. Well, let's talk about Sauvignon Blanc a second. Yeah. It's got that grassy, limey, sharp right. acidity. Another good. It's another good oyster wine. However, I will say this: you know, in in Muscadet, the grape is called Milan, and it's like Chardonnay. It's neutral. So there's no inherent aromas or flavors to the grape outside of, you know, the flavors that it picks up when you grow it on different types of soils. Sauvignon Blanc, however, is an aromatic grape. So you always have the grassy... Cat pea. Yeah, like... Wild aromas. Right. So that has this DNA of specific aromas. And when you pair that with oysters, sometimes it doesn't jive because those... Aromas and flavors of the grape are so strong, they overpower the. So, point being, not the best. No, I don't think it's pair the best. and match. You exactly. need something a little more neutral. More neutral. Okay. Yeah, that's where that's where uh, maybe with a piece of fish or something. More yeah, than, or you know, like an oily salmon or yeah, something. or like with salads, right. like niçoise salads, something like that. Uh, All right. So give me. So you mentioned the Jura, the Loire. Give yeah. me another, you know, white. You know, I think we mentioned this region um, last time I was here. But the wines from the south of Italy in Campania, the whites, in uh, Greco di Tufo and Fiano d'Avellino, those are... So Greco di Tufo, yes. a white, is that the grape? Yes. So G-R-E-C-O, D-I or D-E? D-I, D-I-T-U-F-O. Yeah, Tufo. Greco di Tufo, Campanian... Italian grapes, and then Fiano, F-I-A-N-O. D'Avellino. A-V-E-L-L-I-N-O. Right. So those are from the same area in the south of Italy, not far from um, Naples. And volcanic soil, there's a little bit of granite there too, but dynamite wine region for whites. Probably the best whites of Italy, in my opinion. So you described some of the characteristics of the other wines what are some of the so i would say you know the the great whites of Campania are fiano and greco greco is a lean lemony mineral style white wine Sounds i good. mean like so let's compare these wines to burgundy greco is chablis which is you know mineral lean high acid fiano is more like merso Waxy, rich, nutty. And those wines should be in the Hall of Fame of great white wines of the world 
They just haven't received the recognition they deserve. Low, uh, not low, but reasonable price points. It's very reasonable. So that's the takeaway here is that's one of the great values. And my bet is most people haven't heard of it. No. So if you walk away with one thing, you know, Fiano d'Avellino, Greco de Tufo, great wines, great wines for summer, great wines for food, right? Yep. And those wines never usually don't see oak at all. So stainless steel. So they're made in that inexpensive style. But they have so much character individually that you'll be very, very impressed with them. What um, everybody is conditioned when they think of white wine, not the most sophisticated people, think of Chardonnay. Right. What's, what's your feeling about, you know, Chardonnay? I love Chardonnay. Okay. I love it. The, Absolutely. One of the best grapes in the world. Good, um, good summer wine. It depends where it's from. But like the Chablis depends and all of that made. is what right. you alluded to earlier, right. that it's right. too expensive and complex and all of that. Right. You know, Chardonnay is like, it's really in the eye of the beholder. It depends on where it comes from, how it's made, and you, it can really be whatever you want it to be. Right. It really performs. So stylistically. At, at all levels. And it just really depends on what mood you're in. Right. So you can have it, you can have it sparkling in champagne, or you can have it lean and crisp in Chablis. Or you can have it fleshy and round in, in white burgundy. Right. Or you can have it heavy and sweet in California. Like, you name it. It's pretty You diverse. got it. Yeah, and it's great. It's it, more than just, you know, don't think of it as a summer white wine because it's white. No, it's just like. you may get a heavy, buttery California, which makes no sense for a hot day or something. Right. Unless it's freezing cold. Right. All right. So those are some pretty good wine. I mean, we could do a whole show on just, you know, the whites. Let's jump to Rosé. Rosé is a popular... Too popular. It's getting more and more popular. Yeah, it's jumped the shark. You it's know? jumped the shark, a I agree bit. with you. Yeah. So tell me what to stay away from and what to look for. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I like Rosé in its original intention, which is a wine that you serve chilled that's light and fresh. And when I see these, like, extremely dark-colored rosés that could be, you know, red wines in disguise, I'm not into that because it, it defeats the purpose, in my opinion. You know, rosé is, 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 is a white wine, it, for all intents and purposes, in my, in my choices, it should be white wine with, like, a tint. That was left on the skins? Is yeah. that what the tint does? Yeah. Well, well I'm meaning, meaning figuratively. Like, it should serve the purpose of a white wine. It should be fresh. It should be lip-smacking. and you Mouth-watering, sh- lip-smacking. And you shouldn't have to have food with it. Like, there's something genius in its simplicity and its, and its fun. And when you start getting these rosés that are the color of, you know, an eight ball, I don't think... That's the original intention is of what that it should be. Extraction or the grape? Like it's are, both. Like some grapes will naturally be a little darker, but you can control that if you don't you leave can, it on the skin. Yeah, if much. you do it very briefly, and and yeah, a lot of it is to do with extraction. And you know, and funny, it's funny that um, I'm talking shit about dark colored rosés, and I brought one in because I thought it was so great. But this is uh, it's a rosé from. Um, Abruzzo. It's a Montepulciano rosé, and I couldn't believe how delicious it was. 
So I wanted to bring it over for you to taste so it with me. So we're going to do the weekly wine sip towards the end of the show, but I recommend at this point on we should start cracking something and yeah. sipping and loosen things up a little. All right, so yes, on the rosé, and I asked you because I want you to say, and you, I, I agree with you on the rosé as what it should be. It shouldn't right. be too dark or extracted or whatever. All right, so can you name me... Regions or Provence, Provence first. Yeah. Like I would say, if if you know, if you don't know much and you just want to keep like a couple bullet points in your brain of where you should get rosé from, I would say number one with the bullet is Provence. Okay, and that's like Cote de Provence, and that's Bandol, and that's um, uh, Palette. You know, places like that. Pretty much, Provence put the you know the thumbprint of rosé on the universe. They're really they own it. They started it. They've monetized it. They've really brought it to the world. So stick with the originators, and that's what I would say. The point being, if you're gonna start picking rosés for the first time, yeah, go, go there. Go there. And I've seen Bandel, uh, Bandel Tempiers, you know, yeah. 40, 50. And then I've seen 10, 11. So the range of sure. price. You it's can everything get you need. You want. It's everything you need. And I, I mean, the exports of Provencal Rose grow like 10% every year. Like it just keeps growing. So there's more and more in the marketplace. Um, what, uh, what was I going to say? So you're looking at a price point, you know, of of what you want it to be. Could 10, be, 12, 13. Could be 9.99, it could be $50, you know. Okay. So and it's I, a humongous range. I think you would agree with me that if you have a good local wine store versus like the big mega, you know, price stores. Yeah. If you talk to your guy, he's curating a selection of rosés. Sure. And you know, he's pulling stuff in that he knows is good. You should talk to, you know, your guy for that or any other right. wine. And plus, you know, you're going to usually get pretty good rosé because it's not that hard to make for the growers. Right. I mean, it's pretty simple. Right. Unless you're a dipshit, you can really figure it out how to make something delicious. That spends a month on the skin or even like, right. you know, 12 hours on the skins to get the color. It's not that hard to make. All right. So that's rosé. Kept it simple. Yep. You know, don't overthink it. All right. Let's talk about red wines now. Right. There's always that classic Zinfandel and barbecue thing, but it goes way beyond that. So sure. when you think, you know, and I'm putting you in a box, when you think of red wines and you think of summer... You know, what are the things? And in a few minutes, I'm going to throw different foods at you, and you're going to, you know, pair stuff for me. Right. Well, I mean, I think of what would I bring to my beach house in South Jersey? You know, uh, I'm I'm always saddled with the bourbon. Keystone beer? (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) you know, it tastes better in the can. That's right. (laughs) No, but, like, uh, I just try to remember, like, what do I bring? And, And it's for people who aren't necessarily wine people. So I'll bring a mix of red wines. Um, first and foremost, if we're going to do burgers and you know roast chicken on the grill, something like that. The red meat or the poultry barbecue plate. Right. Play. You know, what I like that's inexpensive is Bordeaux, like inexpensive Bordeaux. Bordeaux AOC, Bordeaux Superior. That's kind of stuff that you can get tons for under 20 bucks, in at least in New York. And that stuff has all of the great characteristics characteristics of bordeaux 
you know, the savory quality, the, so the freshness. Good, lower-priced Bordeaux from a lot of these chateaus that sure. are turning out year in, year out, you know, value-priced stuff. Can you think of one or two that come to mind? Sure. There's um, a friend of mine who's a sommelier who is based in Paris. He developed uh, a wine called Chateau or Domaine de Galouchy. Spell. G-A-L-O-U-C-H-E-Y. And that's a Bordeaux. That's a straight Bordeaux, but it's mostly Cabernet Franc. It's delicious. Another one is Chateau Penin. P-E-N-I-N. And that's mostly Merlot, but just, like, delicious. Another one I like is called Chateau Saint-Julien. Not, not... There's a region saint Yeah, Julien. but it's, you know... It's that's the Chateau. J-U-L-I-A-N. Okay. And this is J-U-L-I-E-N. Right. And that is literally the best inexpensive Bordeaux I've ever tasted. And that's stuff you can get at, like, 14 bucks at a wine store. Wow. That's, so that's great. Goes great with burgers. Goes yeah. great with a steak, grilled chicken with a lot of grill marks yeah. on it, sauce And not or the fruity style of red wine. Like, you know, like Burgundy and Beaujolais and all that stuff is great, but that's like berry, ripe, juicy, sweet berry fruit. Sometimes you don't want that kind of fruit profile. A Gamay grape, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, like all that stuff is red berries. You know, this pairs well berries. with with Right, because, you know, Bordeaux pairs well with food because you get more of that uh, meaty, peppery quality. Bloody. Bloody, exactly. Right. Mineral. Charred. Yeah, and that works with like ribs and, 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 and cheeseburgers and things like that. So you don't necessarily want, you know, as much as I like burgundy, sometimes it's not the right wine for food. Sometimes you have to put it back on the shelf and just go with something, even though it's less expensive. I agree. It's great. Give me another red wine. You said you're packing stuff to go to the beach. You're not just packing Bordeaux. No. Think about what else you're packing. Yeah. While you're thinking, pour some wine for us. Let's try something. Yeah, I'll tell you what I also like. I like, you know, one of my favorite, probably my favorite wine, wine region is the Northern Rhone. Me too. Yeah, so you want to get, like, these great Syrahs from San Joseph or Crozet Hermitage that are pretty much, you know, under 30 that just have these great qualities similar to what, you know, a great inexpensive Bordeaux has. And it's savory. It's meaty flavors. It's a Syrah grape. Yeah, Syrah grape. Versus the Bordeaux blending grapes, Cap Sauve and Merlot and Petit Verdot and Cap Frank, you said. Exactly. Like, again, you know, Burgundy, Pinot Noir, Beaujolais, those are sweet fruit, berry-flavored wines, okay? Those are a different profile than you'll get from your average Bordeaux or your average Northern Rhone, where you're getting more of this black pepper, savory, meaty quality. And when I eat meats, when I eat ribs, when I eat burgers, when I have that type of food with char, with smoke, I don't want burgundy. And I don't want... I I get it. I I don't want gamay. I want... You laid it out because of the fruit and the berry. I mean, there's it has its place, but not paired with... You know, summer brings grilling, and grilling brings a lot of med, red meat and blood and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, and there's nothing better than, than those wines. And another one that's great with that is, you know, going back to Italy. Italy is full of wines that don't taste like ripe red berry fruit. So what? Sicilian, and, and I mean, you name it, dude. There's just, that whole country is made, is red wine made for food. So Sic- Sic- Sicilian red wines... Like, yeah. Cherizuolo. Cherizuolo in the south, and you can have Edna in the north. 
and you can have Tarazi in the you know great or, values, or you can have Chiro in in Calabria, like all that stuff. The, the you know the genius of Italian wine is that it's not to be drunk alone. Food, it's meant to be. It's well, me- food is such a big part of exactly. you know, Italy, and, and mu- much more so than in French wines. You know, much, I, much, I agree. Yeah, much more so. Now, are those wines? Do they fit under the profile you're talking about, where they're not berry? You know, they're oh big. yeah, they're, they're light. So that profile is great for barbecue and all. Absolutely of that. right. Give me one or two Italian producers. Like is Acapinti one of them? I mean, those wines are good, but they're 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 not my favorite. I mean, okay, if you're gonna, if you're I'm gonna, asking you. If you're going to talk Sicily, if you're going to talk Sicily, I would say. Um, Benanti is one. B e n a n t i. Yes. Great family, nice yeah. people. Who um, they come from the north east of uh, of Sicily near Taramina, Mount Etna, and they make Etna Rosas, and those are really great. And there's a guy that was really responsible for putting them on the map. A guy named Salvo Foti. Is he a distributor or an no? Importer? He was like he was like the enologist. He was like the the, the artisan. He helped make who some the Benantis hired to help them develop their region and really put the entire appellation on the map. And that dude was like, "F you guys, I'm out of here, and I'm going to go on my own." And now he has all these little pet projects throughout Sicily, not necessarily just. So he's Edna. like a Michel Roland consultant, yeah. you know, but like. To the tenth power, really? Yeah, like much more happening, much more in touch with the earth, and not trying to make right. Them, you know what I mean? More new age, yeah. Than, you know, old. Not trying to control it. All right, so you know, I don't want to overload people with nine million different suggestions. So we talked about um, reasonably priced Bordeaux. We gave you a few there. We talked about Northern Rhone wines, which are Syrah based, and wines of Sicily um, Hell and yeah. we gave you a couple of producers so that's red let's talk about champagne and sparklers do they have what are we drinking right now first of all you know I'll tell you what I'm drinking as far as grower champagne no what we're drinking in this oh, glass right now okay. <laughs> what we're drinking right now is it's a little something a little different this is a Loire Valley white okay called Chevrony. So this is um, it's got a little Sauvignon Blanc. Exactly. To the yeah, it's 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 kind of it's close to Sancerre, but the unique quality of this is that it's Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay. Ah, so there's a little Chardonnay in that. So it rounds it out a little. It, it, absolutely. I, I'll post it on our Facebook. Absolutely. Site. Absolutely. Dude. What kind of retail on that? Dirt cheap. Like okay. un, like delicious. Sixteen bucks. It's a good delicious. Yeah. All right. So sparklers. Do they have their champagne and sparklers have their place in the summer? They have their place every day, every way. Which is the problem because champagne yeah. is a great food. It shouldn't be celebratory. No, no, no. And and it's uh, I love to drink it, and I you know I get like deals here and there between you know from friends I know who sell wine and this and that, and the wines that I buy more than any are champagne because that's the stuff I want to drink all the time. You know, you got to be in the mood for certain types of red and whites. But champagne, it's like you don't have to say much more than champagne and I'm ready to pop the cork. 
You know what I mean? It's just universal. So explain to people. Everybody knows what champagne is. Everybody knows the big champagne houses. Explain to people what grower champagne is. Well, I mean, historically, it, it's historically the big brands, you know, Veuve Clicquot and Moet. Bollinger and, you know, all the LVMH owned properties they were the power players in Champagne, and they would dictate the prices of the grapes that they would buy. To the farmers. Gee, they, yeah, they would say, we're going to buy your grapes at this price, period. Did they do any estate growing? Oh, they, they always did, too. But, and they contracted And they lot. contracted Because of the output they needed to contract. Right. So right. these growers would just be, you know, they would own the land, and they would just work for the man. And then eventually they said, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> I have great land. And I'm going to, you know, control my destiny and I'm going to invest in winemaking equipment and make my own champagne so I don't have to depend on the big guys. And that was a movement that really crystallized, I'd say, 25, 30 years. So it's a young movement. It's a young movement and it's really revitalized champagne. And there's... There's just dozens it, and dozens, yeah, the, you know, of, like of grower guys. Hundreds of good small growers. Is that the move to look for a grower champagne? Yeah, I, I think that's where you're getting really. Can you tell me? Let's stay on the reasonable price side. Of Can course. you tell me a couple of producers worth sure. that are available and worth looking at? Well, out yeah, for? I mean, like you, if you go to New York, I mean, there's so you go to any good wine shop in New York, they're going to have at least ten or fifteen small grower champagnes. But uh, what are we looking price range? Thirty five to I would 60? say under sixty. Yeah, under sixty. Yeah, like you look <laughs> under sixty, and these are non vintage wines. Right. These are not vintage specific. These are non vintage. But there's a ton. There's Beresh. B e r e c h e h e. There is Pierre Peters. Pierre Peters, of course. Agripart and Phil. Absolutely. Are they Agripart? good ones? I'm yeah, just throwing. No, names they're out. all good. The one that I tasted recently that I'm that I'm in love with is a guy named. Rodé, Eric Rodé. Spell. R-O-D-E-Z. E-Z. R-O-D-E-Z. They are dynamite. Okay, good to look out for. Dynamite. Can you find it in New York? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so move away from champagne. Are there any other sparklers to look at? Champagne has all those merits. Is it worth it to look for sparklers? Sure. I was at a Spanish tasting, and I tasted a $200 bottle of Gramona Cava. How was that terrible? It wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. I don't know. 200 bucks. Wow. Yeah. It was a 2001. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, and I kind of had this uh, opinion while I was working at the restaurants because I tasted so much sparkling wine, that the best sparkling wine outside of Champagne is from the Jura. Okay. Yeah. Jura is a region of France. Yeah. And I've had, you know, the, the, the trick is that these guys are trying to make the same style sparkling wine in the same method as champagne. So, you're, you know, they have time. So they're not reinventing the wheel. They're making no. method wash. Yeah, they're doing champagne. Method champenoise where, where the fermentation happens individually in each bottle. And they do the, you know, all of the work that goes along with it, the riddling, the dosage, the whole, the whole shebang. So what I found the best champagne style sparkling wines 
are from the Jura. And so give me a few. Tiso, T I S S O T, killer, killer. Stefan Tiso, is yeah. that him? Killer, killer, killer. What are we talking about? I served price? that at my wedding. Uh, I would say like under 30. Wow. Yeah, 20, even like 20 in the that's, 20s. That's a great recommendation. Another one, right? another one is Julian Labbe, Cremant du Jura, L A B E T. Killer. Freaking killer. Are both of them Cremants? Yeah, Cremants, Cremant du Jura. What does Cremant mean? Uh, you know, like that. It's have, just a name for the region. Yeah, I mean, or it's just more of like the style of sparkling okay. wine they're making, which isn't as intense. You know, it's kind of a softer style of bubbly. So we don't need to look at Cava. We don't need to look at Prosecco. The no, Cremant, Prosecco, Prosecco is garbage. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about, is there a place for Lambrusco? Yeah, I mean. Pizza wine, you know. Anything, Lambrusco, any barbecue? Lambrusco is fun. Lambrusco is 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 wine soda. Okay. You know that's the way I like to. This, this is a little wine. Jura. Yeah, it's like wine soda. So it's okay. So you're not a big. I don't uh, take it seriously. Okay. Now, what about? And I'm going to ask you in a few minutes about natural organic bio. What about pet nets as a? I don't like that stuff. Okay. You know, Petnat is a once fermented natural sparkling wine. Yeah, you know what I, I this like. This is Michael's show, so he don't like them. I don't. I'm not feeling that stuff. I um, ooh the nose on this. Yeah, like Petnat is wine that's bottled before it's finished. That's kind of the idea. Okay. You dig? So there's like residual sugar crap floating around. In yeah, it and, and I mean like that's kind of cool. And <laughs> and you know it's I liken it to you know eating chocolate chip cookie dough. You know, that's it. It's like not, it's delicious as it is. Right. But, I mean, it's up to you. Like, do you like to eat raw chocolate chip cookie dough? Or would you rather have a baked chocolate chip cookie with like sea salt on top of it where it's perfect? And it's really, it's in the form that it should be made. Like, that's up to you. I, I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like. People search out that crap just because yeah. it's fun. But yeah, I, you yeah. know, that's a great example. In yeah. the end, the majority of people would like the Levain cookie or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I'd rather have it in its in its original intention. Right, and that's cool. Like I'm not hating on it, but in my world, I'm not down with that. All right, I want to hit a couple more categories quickly. Not as important as the others, and we'll take a quick break. Come back. I want you to do the wine list, and we're going to talk about a few other things. What about this craze I'm seeing now of canned wine spritzers and canned wine? I, mean, I don't know. I, I really not your thing. No, I mean, it's not uh, not fun to sit on uh, a beach and. I don't know. Like, I think I admire people who are giving it a shot and like trying a Jordan. Yeah, Saucito like I admire Jordan for trying to do that and. You know, I wish her luck, and I hope it works out. But So what's in your brain? If you're going to drink stuff, drink a good Muscadet, or, I mean, what are you thinking there? I Like, I don't know the, I don't, uh, yeah, like, do I want beer, or do I want wine? And I kind of like, I think it's binary for me. You know, I don't need to kind of marry right. the two. And uh, that's just me. So not an important category to you. No. I'm tasting the wine you just opened, and it's almost like port-like to me. <laughs> yeah. What What is it? That's a wine from the Jura. And a Sauvignon. 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 Not Sauvignon, like right. Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon. And am I off no, in my description that well, it's a little rich and It's porty? rich for sure. And, I mean, I think, you, you know, you say it's porty because... It spends a lot of time in barrel, like port does. 
So it has that like extended intensity that comes from age in the barrel. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good and I it's like cheap it and it's it's domain Philippe Vandel. It's a friend of I'm mine who take brings it in. Pictures and we'll post. Yeah, them. and and that's the kind of stuff I was tasting today. That's why I brought these over. Cool. And, and uh, I was telling the guy that imports them, like, holy shit, I love these wines. Like, I, this is the kind of stuff that I want to drink all the time. And he's like, yeah, that's really great. But guess what? You're in the minority because I can't fucking sell it. So, that, <laughs> so that's like the, the thing, you know? That canned wine stuff selling yeah, and you the, can't give this stuff away. Right. And there you, you go. Know, like, the, that's the how, best guy doesn't always win the race. Uh, yeah, you know? And that is, ain't that the truth. Yeah. So, but the world needs cheerleaders and supporters and influencers like you to stay on your passion sure. so you know it'll it'll come through right. all right last category and we're talking summer wines so you're talking bringing gifts to parties barbecues eating summer type food shellfish and all that is there any place for like a sherry or dessert wines or that's not really a summer play uh yeah i guess sherry works and you know i've never um i've never been the huge lover of sherry and because I'll tell you why, because sherry is a fortified wine, and they want it's a fortified wine that they try to serve as an aperitif, and I just find the alcohol oftentimes overwhelming, frankly, to, at least for the first course of a meal. It's not. It's just not my the jam. Right thing to. I don't think so. Like I, I something think that you're right. 16... It's some people's jams, but I think as far as jams go, it's not the right matchup. No, I think. It's, I think you it, got it right. It's like a mixed message. Yeah. So if I want an oxidative, you know, walnut flavored wine, I would take a wine from the Jura, which is not fortified. I, has, I think this sort of kind of serves the purpose. I, I think you know money right on that. Yeah, you because know. you know there's something in the. In our, you know, there's the flavor of nuttiness, of saltiness, of high acid. Like, that is a flavor that I think us as humans, like, we love to have. And sherry. Mid palate and after palate, man, just sticks with you. It's crazy. And and I much have it without extra alcohol added. I agree. And that's kind of my move on that. All right, so we covered many categories and we offered you many wines, and it is under the context of the expert Michael Madrigal who does this for a living and his suggestions and some great suggestions we're going to take a break um my guest is michael madrigal um we'll be back we're going to subject him to the wine list and we have a few other things you're listening to the grape nation on the heritage radio network Heritage Foods USA is a farm-to-table online butcher and founding sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Foods got its start when Patrick Martin's first stepped foot onto Frank Reese's Kansas farm in 2001. Back then, Frank was the only farmer in America raising true heritage turkeys with recorded lineages tracing back more than 150 years. Patrick knew instantly he'd found a unique moment, an opportunity to go beyond acknowledging these breeds as being jeopardized and to actually do something to save them. Patrick asked Frank to ramp up production and made a promise to him that if he would raise them, Heritage Foods USA would sell them. That was the moment that Heritage Foods' slogan, Eat Them to Save Them, was born. By creating a market for delicious meats from Heritage Breeds, we can ensure they'll be around for generations to come. Plus, Heritage Breeds just tastes a whole lot better. 
Learn more at heritagefoodsusa.com and use the code Heritage Radio for two free pork chops with your first order, brother. Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. All right, we're back. We're back. You're listening to The Grape Nation. My guest is Michael Madrigal. And we are talking about summer wines and what you should be drinking this summer. And before I subject Michael to our wine list, special summer edition, I wanted to cover two categories with him. And I think you got a little taste of it, but I wanted to get your take and your interpretation of what's been very hot the last six to ten years, the organic, natural, and biodynamic, mm-hmm. you know, wine movement. And mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff makes sense for the summer and mm-hmm. all that. But what's your take on all I that? think it's a great thing. Um, I think, you know, there's always this push and pull of this philosophy of organic, biodynamic versus not growing grapes in that way. And, you know, there's... There's a lot of dogmatic, you know, winemakers with religious fervor about biodynamics and the way they make wine. And I think there, it can be a little bit too much just in the way they thump their Bible about biodynamics. That and, whole Rudolf Steiner yeah, burying a ram's it's, horn. It's, it's I like mean, very it's, intense. It's out there, yeah. But I think, you know, it's like the pendulum swings one way and... All of the growers who are, you know, using pesticides and not doing things the right way, I think they're realizing, like, maybe I should start to try to grow my grapes in an organic and biodynamic way, at least more than I was doing before. So that, you know, the fact that it is so well known and it's in the marketplace and there's a proven bump in sales if you sell the wine in that you know with that marketing snap you these all other growers who are watching are saying i got to try that too so for the good of all for the good of all the guys that aren't doing it are looking at the guys that are and saying maybe you maybe know, i should, should try that and that can only benefit wine lovers right but here's what i'm curious about you worked at, you know, like you said earlier, you worked with Dynex, the Danielle Balud restaurant group. You know, you ran a couple of hot places. How much organic, biodynamic stuff were you selling there? Was that the market? Was that the place? No, but, I mean, we were selling a lot, but it wasn't. I wasn't selling it as that. But a lot of the makers do it without even tooting their horns about it. They've been doing it for like exactly. 50, 80. Right. Like, what's the difference? You know, we've always made wine without fertilizers or pesticides. There's a new age of producers. It's marketing, yeah. Sam. I mean, a lot right. of it is marketing. And, right. You know, a lot of it's like anything, you know, like fair trade coffee. 
that is a marketing tool in order to get people to buy this coffee. Yes, it's a great thing and it's, you know, it helps the growers and all that sort of stuff. But coffee has been sold before in the same right. method and they've never really mentioned right. it. So, I mean, the Some same dude thing with comes one. along and, you know, funky label and, you know, he's biodynamic. It's like, hey, you know, this has been going on. Right. I get that. So it's generally it's good. You know, you need to spend a little time with it. You know, taste different wines, orient yourself. And a lot of the famous wines, like really famous wines, have been growing organically. Yeah, like Romani Conti, for example. Right. Like they've been organic and biodynamic right. since the you know, late 80s. That is like the Mac Daddy example. There you go. All, but you they, don't toot th- they don't talk about right. that. Right, right. So it, it's, it's out there. Um, all right. So the last thing I want to ask you about before we do the wine list is... You could sort of relate, and you would be expert enough in this. What is it about sommeliers that they want to make wine, you know, where that's sort of their next step or ultimate goal? You know, whether we mentioned Jordan is making a spritzer, or I had Dustin Wilson on, and he made wine, Raj. Right. You, you know, is that... I think it's do just you people th- want to pay their rent, you know, and... Uh, stay in the wheelhouse, I think Push. it's, I think, you know, it's living in New York City, working all the time in a restaurant, which pays pretty good, but hard not, work, but it's hard work and it doesn't pay that great for the amount of hours you're putting in. So then, you know, you're like, okay, hey, man, people know me, people trust me. Let me kind of, uh, let me roll out the merch. So they start getting into the, you know, make, making they their have own the wine. knowledge connection. Sure, they got the connection, passion, and, and yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. And then they start doing that, and like that's cool. That's just you know, for me, I never Has that wa- notion ever floated around. Of course, here? but I never wanted to do it because I wouldn't put my name on a wine that I wasn't there growing. Frankly, you know, I just didn't want to. You would have to change your whole life to yeah. do it the way you want. Yeah, sort of be on premise. Exactly. And you're not ready to... No, I don't want to... I, I, like, I just have a... Uh, I couldn't ask someone to buy my wine if I wasn't really had my hands on the, the process from A to Z. Not everybody thinks that way, no, but you're entitled, and I think that's fair. Yeah, that was that's just me. All right, we're going to do the wine list. Normally, we ask the same questions every week, but I'm going to give you a special edition. But before we do that, I'm going to machine gun you a bunch of foods... And I'm putting you on the spot, and okay. you tell me the best wine to drink with this food. And a touch a little uh, red, touch a little fish. Fire away. All right, hot dogs. Hot dogs. Um, rose, I think, would probably do best with hot dogs. Okay, burgers. Burgers, you know, what we talked about earlier, okay. like a really cheap chilled uh, Bordeaux, Bordeaux or, or cheap yeah. Rhone. Yeah. Um, how about saucy pork ribs? Pork ribs, like with, um, like sweet, like like yes. like Asian style. No, like, mo- like smoky barbecue, which is the majority. Most yeah, people. Yeah, I, w- I would say like Chateau Neuf du Pop. Okay, so yeah. that's a Southern Rhone. Southern Rhone, but like smoky, but lots of glycerol and alcohol, right. like kind of like sweetness to it. What about lamb? Lamb chops, a little gamier. Ooh, that's good. That's that's where you're getting into like the real fine stuff. I would I would do Northern Rhone absolutely. Okay, yeah, it would hold up to it. Yeah, because you got the gamey flavors from the lamb, and you want those gamey flavors 
in the wine, like Northern Rome. Then chicken two ways. You just got a seasoned chicken that's being grilled, a lot of, you know, char, and then you have chicken with sauce barbecue. Burgundy. I think red burgundy is great like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Salmon? Salmon, uh, I would go, I mean, salmon is cool because you can do red or white. You can do either one. Okay. And if I was going to do red, like Oregon Pinot Noir, I think would go great with salmon. And if you wanted to do white, I would think like a really nice Merceau. Tuna? A little different. Tuna. Like, yeah, I think red burgundy works with that really well with that, too. Okay. Yeah. What about sort of indigenous fishes to this area, like a striped bass, which is a firm white fish, flounder, which is a white flaky fish? Well, you know, when I grew up in Philly and we would go to to South Jersey near Cape May to go fishing, we go fishing for flounder all the time. Right. All summer. Yeah, all summer, man. And I love that kind of stuff. And I, I'm still like... What would you think, pair with I'm that? Just, I'm still thinking why, to hint on what we said earlier, like a good Fiano Davolino with, okay. with that would be great. I think we covered oysters with muscadet and yeah. champagne. But let's go to the other shellfish. Shrimp, lobster, crab. Shrimp, lobster, and crab. So the, I would serve all of those kind of chilled you know, like my right. my image of, of having those is like having it in this like really great salad with like chilled this and that. And I would really love Chablis with that sort of okay. dish. Yeah. And can you get reasonably priced Chablis? Sure. You like, can get Chablis like under 30 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So Chablis would be uh, great with that too. All right. So those are the common summer foods and those are some quick pairings. All right. Here's our wine list. This is a special summer edition, a little different than the other questions we ask. So if you had to drink one wine all summer, lock you up, lock you out, what's the one wine you'd drink all summer? Summer. Uh, uh, should it be a one wine or like a producer? Uh, type of wine. Type of wine. I would, you know, I would drink Jura. I would drink wines from the Jura. Okay. I absolutely would. All right. So Chardonnay the, or Sauvignon. The French region of the Jura. Yeah. All right, what, this may be redundant, but what's the best summer wine and food pairing? Uh, you know, I'll, ha- I'll say this. What's that, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. The, oh, it's the Spanish, it. like, tomato, it's like a soup. Gazpacho? Uh, gazpacho, man. Fuck, dude. That's the stuff. gazpacho and what? <sighs> Rosé. Okay, that I like is that. like the killer. There's a little spice in it. The tomato has uh, a little acidity. So yes. gazpacho and rosé. Never been uttered on this show. Yeah. Okay. That is like nothing says more summer than that to me. All right. Best wine restaurants and bars to enjoy summer wines. I guess that's sitting outside, that selection. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely talk about Patrick's Place, Rebel, which Rebel. is great. Um, you know, going to Charlie Bird and sitting outside in the summertime is killer. Great food, great uh, yeah, wine. Yeah, it, it works so well. Um, you know, there's another good place in my neighborhood on 2nd Avenue. It's a place that's been around for a while. It's called the Mermaid Inn. Mermaid Inn. And like Definitely you, been you around. sit outside there and you, you drink bottles of Sancerre and you eat shrimp cocktail. Like, you, life could be worse. Yeah, I like that. All right, you may have answered this. Favorite all-time summer wine. I mean, it's Muscadet. I mean, that, okay. nothing says more summer than that. I think you're right on that. All right. And, and again, we may have answered this. Best, because one of the questions on the wine list is best wine around 15 bucks, white and red. Best summer wine. 
15 bucks. So definitely Muscadet, Muscadet. on the white. What about Cote de Provence Rosé? Cote de Provence Rosé, or, you know 15, what? 20 bucks. Yeah, and what's also good that's cheap is Bordeaux Blanc. Like, okay, right. Yeah, because that's Sauvignon Blanc. And you're that, talking the reds are 15 to 20. Right. The blancs are right the in that same, price range. And that is really good, un, you know, $15 white wine. All right, we're going to wrap the show up because we're going to try it again in about an hour with our weekly wine sip. We've been tasting a Sauvignon and a Chevernay? Chevernay. Chevernay. And we're going to, for the weekly wine sip, each week we taste a different wine on air. For this week's weekly wine sip, we're going to taste, and Michael affirms this, a classic summer wine. We're going to taste the Domaine de la Pepier Clisson Muscadet Sev et Maine. It's a wine that retails for about 25 bucks. You can get a Pepier for a little less, but this is the Clisson. And it's available, you know, at better wine stores. So we talked about it a little bit. Anything else? You know, you could tell us about about wine, about this wine, the Pepier. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you think about wine, you think of. I mean, the greatest wines are the ones that could only be from where they're grown. And then you know, if no one told you what the wine was, and they gave you a glass of it, and you smelled it, you'd say, "Oh, yeah, this is that." And that's what the best wines are to me. They just have uh, an imprint of where they're grown. Muscadet is the best wine that can do that at the least amount of money. So let's go specific. We poured the Pepier. The color is, it's got a nice yellow gold. Yeah, it's like straw, like it's clear. Kind of like green, green tints. Let's go nose. Salty. It's like, it's like sea breeze. Is there a teeny bit of smokiness in there, or am I imagining? Yeah, that's kind of like a stony, kind of right. flinty smell. Wet stone. Yeah. Anything else on the nose? Yeah, like lemons and kind of like a leafy green edge to it also. There's a greenness to it, yeah. but subtle. Yeah, like a spring green, like right. a spring, like asparagus thing. Not too overpowering. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go mouthfeel first. I think medium, it's kind of a ra- it's a racy mouthfeel. Yeah, it's not super fleshy like white burgundy or, or California Chardonnay. It's more of a less weighty uh, texture on the palate. Is that medium to you or medium? I, I, don't, minus? I don't know what you want to. I would just say like lighter bodied, medium okay. bodied. Okay, but it's racy, like where it's. Um, what do you define racy as? Like where it's the emphasis is on kind of the the acidity and the the you definitely freshness. feel some acidity. Yeah, it tingles it's a little fresh bit. In the mouth. It's like a squeeze of lemon in your yeah, mouth right away. Yeah, it's nice. It's yeah. Not so, but see, that's the thing. Like that is a that's I don't want to say one dimensional in in kind of pejorative. Way, but it is like a, a one-dimensional style wine. It's there for the salty, lemony, easy drinking quality. And that is great on its own when you're just chilling on the beach and like hanging out and sitting on a on a beach chair. And it's also great when you're eating oysters because right. the that type of dish demands something simple. So if you know, the, the muscadet is the the steel knife that cuts through the oysters, and it's almost like it's a utensil for the dish. It's a good way more to than put anything it. else. Tell me some palate descriptors. We talked about nose, mouth, feel. 
Yeah. I mean, are there? It's some a mouth-watering, ab- fresh, zesty. It's definitely mouth-watering. Yeah, it's, it's definitely zesty, racy. It's but any fruit or no, citrus. It's, the the only fruit in that wine is lemons. You know, is citrus fruit. It's you know, it's like you have a glass of water and you squeeze a whole lemon inside of it. That's kind of really what you're 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 aiming at. Well, a bad and, version of that idea is Pinot Grigio. Yeah, but that but that's like sweeter too. No, like, I know. This is just lean, mean, nasty, and delicious. Do, so we like this wine. F- yes. Do definitely. we like it more than like? We like it a lot. I think it's freaking great. Okay. And I think it's for the price. There's no better white wine at that low price point. So that's the Domaine de la Pepier Clisson Moscadet Sev at Maine. Um, I will post that. It retails for around 25 bucks. I'll post that and the other wines that Michael brought in, which are very interesting and very reasonable. Um, and we'll probably throw some pictures up, too. All right, yeah. we're going to wrap the show up. If you have a question, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at the Grape Nation. That's Sam at the Grape Nation. Follow us on Facebook at our page, The Grape Nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. We post the wine list each week on our site. So we'll post the special summer edition. We'll post the wines that we drank um, and any, any other information. We are on Instagram at SBenRuby. We're on Twitter at BenRuby. And you can listen to this and all the Grape Nation shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Heritage Radio Network website. Michael, if we want to follow you, where can we find you? Just look for me on uh, my social media, brah. Okay. Just go. And that on Instagram is? Mike Madrigal. Okay. M-I-K-E-M-A-D-R-I-G-A-L-E. E-I-E-I-O. And what about (laughs) um, Twitter? Same. Same. Okay. Same, same. All right. I want to invite my produce, my uh, engineer, Vitor, and anybody else out there to help us drink some of these wines. Thank you to our guest, Michael Madrigal. Follow him on social media. He's got some plans. Things are going to be happening. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. You'll know. Thank you to our engineer, Vitor, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you have been listening to The Grape Nation. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.